God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, you instructed the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things and ever to rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Today's reading is a reading from a letter by St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, through one man sin entered the world, and through sin death, and thus death came to all men, inasmuch as all have sinned. If by that one person's transgression many died, how much more did the grace of God and the gracious gift of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow for the many? For if the transgression of the one, if by the de- the transgression of the one death came to reign through that one, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of justification come to reign in life through that one Jesus Christ. In conclusion, just as through one transgression condemnation came upon all, so that one righteous act, acquittal, uh, one righteous act, acquittal in life, came to all. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many will be made righteous, where sin increased, grace overflowed all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through justification for eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Word of the Lord. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Sacrifice or oblation you wish not, but ears open to obedience you gave me burnt offering and sent offering you sought not then i said behold i come here i am lord i come to do your will in the written scroll it is prescribed for me to do your will O my god is my delight and your laws within my heart Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. I announced your justice in the vast assembly. I will not restrain my lips as you, O Lord, know. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. May all who seek you exalt and be glad in you. And may those who love your salvation ever say the Lord is glorified. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you may have the strength to stand before the Son of Man. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Gird your loins and light your lamps. 
and be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding, ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds vigilant on his arrival. Amen, I say to you, he will gird himself, have them recline at table and proceed to wait on them. And should he come in the second or third watch and find them prepared in this way, blessed are those servants. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me not, O Lord, be puffed up with worldly wisdom which passes away. Grant me that love which never abates, that I may not choose to know anything but Jesus in him crucified. I pray you, loving Jesus, that as you have graciously given me to drink in with delight the words of your knowledge, so you would mercifully grant me to attain one day to you the fountain of all wisdom and to appear forever before your face. To the glory of your name, amen. Today's Gospel reading is a very unsettling one for a lot of people if they really understood what it was talking about. But unfortunately, today's Christianity has been beguiled by a lie. A lie of eternal security and a lie of a rapture. These two lies are something many in Protestantism hold, and to some degree, some Catholics, some Orthodox also accept it because they do not know the true gospel message. If we listen to the words of the gospel, it tells us to basically be prepared, have our lamps lit, so that we're like servants ready for our master to return at any moment. And regardless of when he comes, to be able to open the door, answer him, and heed him, and serve him. This is a lot different than the message you hear in most Gospels today, where they tell you, oh, Jesus Christ died once for you, and that's all. You don't have to do anything. I'm pretty certain you've heard that message. I heard a guy not too long ago on a, a chat thing that I frequent, basically be uh, telling people that St. Thomas Aquinas and Assuma was very much like John Calvin in his presentation of the gospel. And while I was tempted to tell him he was wrong, I listened to him ramble on about how the Eastern Orthodox have the right understanding of the Trinity, even though the filioque uh, problem exists between right and left lungs of the church. But he went on to say that John Calvin was speaking the truth when it came to soteriology, which is a lie. You see, the problem with Calvinism, Protestantism, is that it assumes that there is nothing you or I do in order to be saved. And it's because it's a misunderstanding of what it means that salvation is a gift of God, something we don't earn. You see, just because I don't earn something still does not mean that I do not have to do something to possess it. And that's a very key 
distinction to make. You see, Jesus wants us waiting for him, watchful, ready for him to come at any moment. Even if he comes at the second or third hour of the night, because he wants to find us prepared so that he can call us blessed of those servants. A lot of this stems from this misunderstanding that arises from rapture theology in current Christianity. A lot of people aren't aware that a Jesuit priest in the late 1700s, in order to defute or diffuse the understanding of Protestants in that day that the Catholic Church was the Antichrist and the Pope was the Antichrist and a false religion, he basically did this whole futurism thing with the book of Revelation and deposited in that futurism this idea, this notion of a rapture. By the 1820s, John Darby took this and ran with it, and it became the basis for the Seventh-day Adventists, the, the uh, Christian science, and the uh, Jehovah Witness, among others in that group. It was so prominent that Charles Spurgeon even had to speak on it on various occasions and explain this isn't even a Protestant position. He would point to things like the Westminster Confession of Faith that only talks about the four last things, the same four last things the Catholic Church talks about, about us dying, facing judgment, going to either heaven or hell, and, and being raised from the dead to face all those. And this here is the only four things that we need to be concerned with. In fact, there is a if you read the early church fathers, it'll tell you that millennialism, this idea of a thousand-year reign in the future, is actually a heresy of Serinthius. You might want to look it up to find out what is meant by that if you're bored. Serinthius basically was preaching falsely that John's uh, declaration in the 20th chapter of Revelation was about some future age when we will reign with him instead of the current situation of the church. And this is something when I presented it to a friend of mine not too long ago, he was like, oh, I never heard that. A lot of people point to different scriptures, like in Matthew 24, uh, about a rapture. And they say, oh, look, here it says one was in the field, two were in the field, one was taken, the other was left. And it talks about, you know, other people where there's one taken and the other's left. How is that not proof of the rapture? Look at the context is what I answer. Because if you look at the context, it sets it up by telling you first off, that there was eating and drinking in the days of Noah. And Noah and his family alone were left alone to survive because they were in the ark. The wicked of his generation were swept away, raptured by the waters of the flood. Don't believe me? Read Matthew 24. Read a little bit further on where it talks about if the owner of the house knew when the thief was coming, he would have been prepared. See, if you're a good servant, girding your loins, lighting your lamps, being ready for your master's return from the wedding, ready to open that door when he comes and knocks, 
That's the servants who are blessed. Because, as Matthew 25 points out, the wicked virgins did not have oil for their lamps. They were barred entrance into the wedding feast that the good virgins who practiced that were. Same picture as our gospel message today. Where do these people who are outside go? Basically, to eternal damnation. If you're not ready for Jesus to come, if you are not prayed up, if you are not struggling against sin to live a holy lifestyle, and basically trying everything you can to cooperate with the grace of God, you will be found outside. Just as Matthew 24 verses 51 through the end of that chapter tells you, those who are raptured, those who are taken away, are the ones cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, this is the reality a lot of us do not understand. And it's because we are not, as our Alleluia verse states, vigilant at all times, praying to have the strength to stand before the Son of Man. Because somehow we've missed this whole idea of being justified for eternal life through Jesus Christ. We don't have the attitude our response oral psalm today tells us to have of, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. We know that sacrifice and oblation he doesn't wish. He wants ears that are open to obedience. Do you want to obey God? Or are you just continuing the transgression that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God for? You see, one man's transgression brought about the death of many. Because through Adam eating the forbidden fruit, all men, all humanity since has experienced concupiscence, corruption of our natural being, and death. That's why babies die, why you can abort a fetus in the womb, why grandma won't live to be a billion years old, and why suffering happens. And that's something that we need to understand. Sin reigns in death. Sin reigns with the destruction of people's lives. But here's the good news. Acquittal and life come to all through the obedience of Christ. For just as disobedience of one man, many were made sinners, so through the obedience of one, many will be made righteous. You see, we're told that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're still living in sin, you're not experiencing the power of the blood of Christ talked about in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that cleanses you from that unrighteousness. If you are not repentant, if you are not stopping committing 
sin, you are not experiencing the true salvation of God. The salvation where, behold, all things become new. See, that's the thing. In the scroll that it is prescribed for me, as the responsorial psalm says, to do your will, O God, is my delight, and your law is within my heart. If you are still committing sin, if you treasure sin more than you treasure heaven, God, and righteousness, then you will hear, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Go into outer darkness. Rather than, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because in reality, you can't hear, well done, and good and faithful servant, if you don't serve. <laughs>